Podcast. Hello and welcome to another weekly episode of the Beer Fish Podcast. We'll be a real breweries, real opinions. As always, if you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe, hit that ding like a link to be notified of all the latest episodes. You can show your support by giving us a five-star rating and you can head to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash beer fridge podcast. My name is Gavin. I've got my usual drinking buddies in the form of Callum and MD. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. Good evening, and tonight I'm happy to say we are joined by Tim from Fell Brewery. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, guys. Yeah, glad to be here. Nah, we appreciate you joining, and well, we're missing Miguel. He'll join in at some point, hopefully as well, um, and Gav is joining us from his holidays, so that's even... Um, there's no no weeks off in podcast land. No, 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 no weeks off, no weeks off. We don't take weeks off, Um I was going to say I, that. I was going to say I was off last week, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we'll rephrase that. I don't take weeks off. No, our, our leader, <laughs> the, the leader of the pack, never takes a week off. So, no, fair play, to you, mate. Fair play. Um, I I want to start like how we old school started because yeah. I'm hoping everybody's drinking um, some beer. And Tim, thank you very much, firstly, or for sending us. Uh, a nice selection of beer. Um, so because we're on on topic and we're going to be drinking on topic, I think it's only right we start with what we're drinking. So, Mr. Muir, tell me what you've got, my man. Uh, well, I am drinking Phil Brewery's Session IPA, 4% um, Hazy Pale, and it is just what the doctor ordered for this evening. It's been a bit of a stressful day. Um, and this is it's light, it's fresh, it's... Um, uncomplicated and unpretentious and it's just going down an absolute storm. It's got um, Citra, Eknot and <laughs> Centennial. Sorry, I did I did read it before, I mean, five minutes ago, but I forgot because I'm hip. Um, but Eknot is one of my favourite hops. I just love it. Um, so it's, it's a win for me um, straight off the bat. Um, but it, yes, it's, as, as, it, as you would expect, lovely and testable. And uh, yes, it's going down a treat for me. Yeah. Sounds good, mate. Sounds very, very good. Uh, I myself, uh, like we said, staying on brand, uh, sticking with Fell. I am on the Oats and Mosaic, 4.2% DDH. Again, um, when I opened the box, and again, uh, Tim, appreciate you guys sending those beers. Um, My eyes lit up when I pulled this one out of the box. DDH and uh, me go hand in hand. This is the style of beer I want to drink left, right and centre all day long, especially on my holidays um, and this is it's got a nice bit of uh, a, a dankness that I wasn't I, I must have I wasn't actually expecting to be fair um, it's got a good level of dankness nice bit of tropicalness coming through uh, I wouldn't mind a wee bit more of a tropical, tropical punch but again that's just my palate to be fair um, and it has got it's a lovely haze on the beer as well which I was really like the can looks wicked by the way this was my favourite can and label to look at um, so much so that um I've already taken the label off one of them and stuck it in my fridge. Um, so this is an absolute cracking beer. 4.2% is a nice beer to start off the evening. 
got a nice Westie coming up next, which I am dying to get myself stuck into, and no doubt Mark has opened it already. But no, the oats and mosaic for myself, 4.2%. I would definitely uh, recommend getting your hands on this beer. It's worth the shout. Right up my street. Sounds awesome, mate. It sounds it's, awesome. it's cracking. It's genuinely, honestly, it really is nice. It really is nice. One of the favourite ones I've had so far. Uh, but, like, I've, I've saved the Westie because... Uh, well, because of you, to be fair. Mark. Yeah, I've got it sitting lined up next as well because it can be a podcast and we get sent West Coast IPAs and I don't drink it. So that's... Uh, and Tim, I see you doing a wee mouth face at home. What are you, what are you drinking? Um, I'm having a can of Tinderbox IPA. Oh, uh, nice. Which, yeah, is our West Coast... That's what we call it now, isn't it? Yeah, West Coast IPA. Um, it's actually, yeah, I mean, t- to be honest, it's it's one of our real kind of legacy brews these days. Like, um, I actually made this beer for the first time back in 2013, and um, it's a little bit different. Um, but uh, most of the bulk of the recipe is still the same, um, particularly in with the kettle additions. Um, but, yeah, so I thought... Yeah, we can we can the new run of it. We don't sort of keep it in core range for cans. It's um, it is a core range beer for us, but it's actually core range beer in cask. And oh, um, take yeah, my money, <laughs> take my money. Yeah, we have these. We have like three or four really, really, really loyal customers. Um, permanent lines for it on cask, and it's just sort of obviously it's six point three percent, and it's a cask beer. Um, but like it's just yeah, there's like three or four pubs where like whenever they've tried to take it off, they've just had a bit of a mutiny uh, <laughs> from like regulars and stuff. And so yeah, they can't they can't really get rid of it. And so frankly, we don't actually get to make it very often for can and keg because um, yeah, stupidly we we end up getting stiffed in our hop contracts that where we never ever quite have enough of the hops to do as much as we would have liked. But we did a can run of it recently, and um, so yeah. I'm, I'm having one of them, and it is—it's good. I like it. <laughs> I'm glad she's good, isn't it? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. That's always a win, <laughs> you know. That's always a win. Yeah. It would be an issue if you didn't like one of your own beers, to be fair. Yeah, I mean that—that that does happen, but um, oh, no. but yeah, um, I'm pretty good at liking the beers we make. Yeah, you're supposed to be a, a ambassador and an advocate for them, aren't I? So yeah, I should remember to do that. <laughs> the thing is, if someone's not going to like it. It's probably going to be you because you know you you get so close to stuff that you end up nitpicking and you think it's just never, you know, is it what uh, I wanted it to be and all that. You kind of can oh, go sorry. down the rabbit hole of the 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 brewing uh, side. So I, I I totally get that. Um, I'm I'm on the lager to start. So the hells the four point six I think it is. Yeah, four point six percent hells. This is delicious. I'm not even going to mess around with uh, too much. Trisp, light. It's got that dry aspect of it that kind of makes it really moorish. Um, it's it's unbelievable. It's I've got a confession. Okay. So I, I, I so like we said, Tim, you you were kind enough to send us those beers. So I've brought the beers with me on holiday. Okay. Cool. Um, and so I arrived yesterday, sitting here last night, jumped in the hot tub. And I was like, I could go and grab myself a beer. Opened the fridge, and the hell's just so happened to fall on my hand. I was like, fuck it. Had the one. I was like, this is perfect. Obviously, you kind of have to send me two. I was like, I'm fucking on the both because this is so good. It's, <laughs> it's, I've got to admit, I'm, 
I'm a bit wary of no laggers because it's, I I think uh, and and I can get a wee bit pernickety when I'm not like reviewing if that's the right word, but when I'm tasting them, especially with like brewing that because they can be quite metallicy, they can be a bit watery, they can lose a little bit of that that body, and you know it can just be a bit meh. You know you just think okay, it was okay, oh. it, it was a the first beer of the night sort of thing and it's nice to kind of get going but this thing is actually delicious like it's actually got everything you want from a hell's and a lager it's like clean it's crisp it's it's dry you know and it makes you just go back and back and back and back and back so it's dry there's also i think um i don't know if it's coming i, I couldn't really pinpoint it in my ecstasy of, of kind of having the first kind of beers of the night and being on holiday for the first time in fuck knows how long but um, it, I don't know if it's the malt or if you've added a wee bit of hops and stuff in there as well but there's a nice kind of underline to the beer as well which goes throughout the whole beer to be fair which I've found really a, a nice touch to it and yeah. hence why I end up just tanning both cans to be fair <laughs> Can no, I just I'm oh, just, just interrupting you because Scotty, the late prick, is now about to enter, and that's his name that he's put on the Zoom thing, so that's why I'm shouting it out. So. <laughs> but, sorry, yeah, um, was there a bit of hop or anything in there? Because I was thinking the exact same, like, it has that, like, sort of drier aspect of it. That kind of yeah, it's, um, so it's it's an all-malt beer, we don't, we don't put any any wheat in it, or, yeah, no, in fact, yeah, it's 100% lager malt, I would put a little bit of Munich malt in there, um, just to try and mimic sort of Munich decoction, um, but there is it's it's a little bit bastardized in this sense in that um, there is quite a lot hop in it, but it's Czech sars, which obviously you know is not typical for a hell style. But um, I think it's just like yeah, I mean the recipe's been getting slowly developed for a few years now, and yeah, just when we came up with it, me and me and Scott, one of the brewers, were just like, and I, I know it's not the typical thing to do, but let's use it. So we do put quite a lot of Czech sars in it. Um, and they're all leaf in it, actually, which is a little bit unusual as well. Trying to get leaf SARS is um, proving really, really difficult at the minute. Um, but, yeah, so we 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 are trying to sort of – we have two big tanks down at the brewery that we just use for lager um, so that we can get the residency times that we want. So, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to keep it um, – trying to keep it in tank for about eight weeks at the minute which uh, we're just about getting away with um and then yeah we don't do any sort of fining or anything like that what uh, at all it really 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 is um unadulterated and um yeah it's one of those things that like you know um the brew team and myself sort of always know that we're on to a winner because obviously we make lots of different beers but it's the ones where we just the ones we actually end up drinking it ourselves um, with a drink after work, that kind of thing, and yeah, it's certainly that it, that you know, hell certainly gets chosen a lot, particularly on a Friday night, something about yeah. Friday night, and you could yeah. smash a couple of those. Like that's what I'm saying. Like Gav said that, like you get to the bottom of it, and you're actually disappointed that it's done, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to buy myself another one. Um, but... This is what like, that's what happened to me. Like, I had the one, and I was like, that was the bollocks. I need another. One. I need to get another one. Yeah, and then I was like, "It's fine," because I was like, the other, "The other guys can drink drink it tonight." <laughs> <laughs> That's uh... I can. I'll sing it's crazy, but they can do the the odd the the uh, taste test while we record. No, it's a cracking beer. Like like you said, Tim, it is one of those beers that you pick up on a Friday, you pick up after your work, and it just goes down an absolute treat. And Mark, again to your point, you finish it, and you go, 
need another pint of that. I'm literally holding on to it. Like I'm thinking, like, I'm, and I've got the Westie coming up as well. So, um, but right. I must be. That, we'll, we'll find out um, what the late prick is is uh, drinking in a second. He's a way to get a tumbler, but I think we could start off him and find out more about fell brew, brewing and kind of how did it start? Obviously, you're coming up ten years, and and we we said before we recorded and even before you jumped on on this call, Tim, we were like, it's amazing how a, a, a brewery can be that like that old in terms of being 10 years old, but we've only recently just come across you. It's, it's madness. Sure. Give us, a, give us a, a, an outlook of how things have been. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, our story is probably a little bit different to to most, um, particularly having been going for that little bit longer. So um, I'm, I'm a director and, well, basically, yeah, my, my best mate from school is, um, is is the other director and we were sort of like, you know, we both from um cumbria the lake district and um both went to uni and graduated right after sort of financial crisis back then and you know graduate jobs were absolutely rubbish and um all this kind of stuff like i i ended up with a job but i was living in london and um i love london but living in it um as <clears throat> as a 22 year old was rubbish we're very much from the countryside and stuff. And so I'd kind of got into um I'd got into what were the very beginnings of craft brewing back uh, craft craft brewing back then. Um when I was at uni I was at uni in Edinburgh. And um so like well yeah, Brewdog were still putting beer in cask back then and um you know it was just sort of getting going and stuff. And then we took a trip to the States the year I graduated. Um and yeah, so I'd started homebrewing and stuff, but so we kind of really are that typical story, just two, two 23 year old lads who thought they knew everything. Um, yeah. who were like, oh, we'll, we'll start a brewery and take over the brewing world. And then, yeah, I mean, our story to sort of cut it really short is we spent the five, first five years realizing that we didn't know jack shit and um, that we had to learn a huge number of lessons. And then the five years after that, um, trying to actually get good at what we do and um yeah getting off the ground but like our story is also different sense that like you know we're we're from south cumbria from the lake district and so our market's a little bit different you know, we get a lot of tourists in the lakes and that kind of stuff and you know the the well the craft beer movement came late to rural cumbria and so we had a very sort of different challenge in the early days of persuading um lo- local pubs and things to you know, um, to take our products and stuff. But then we did sort of realize that actually this was where our future lay. This was the stuff that was going to give us the stability and the sort of, you know, the kind of more reliable market that we wanted. Um, and then, so, yeah, we sort of, you know, we've, we've grown and we're at a certain size now. We, we have, um, we have five venues that, that, that we own and operate ourselves. And so again, our, our market's a little bit different than we sell for, for sell about 40% of the beer that we make to ourselves. And so, yeah, we don't, we don't really get out and about as much as perhaps others do kind of on the, on the one hand we should do. And on the one hand yeah. we are doing, trying to make a better effort with this kind of stuff now, but yeah, we were, we were very early in our decision to focus on our local market um, just because we always thought that was where we were going to be the most secure and where we were going to, be able to add the most value and stand out the most, if you see what I mean. Yeah, it's a solid idea, and and we have we've had other breweries on, mm-hmm. um, 
that that are following a similar kind of line. It's, it seems as though that's an early decision that you need to make, you know, one way or the other. You either go in big and not to say that it's not big, but you, you either go in selling everywhere or you, you you focus on that nucleus to start with, and then once you're solid and and you know stable, it can it can then progress outwards um, if if that's what you what you want. Um, but yeah, I think they're both they're both good ideas, but. If, if it's done properly, I think it's brilliant. No, absolutely. It's sort of, um, you know, it's, there's, you know, there's so many great breweries in the UK now and, um, you know, everyone is finding their own way of doing it. It's, um, and yeah, it's just that the one that happens to be working the best for us is being from where we are from. And yeah, um, yeah kind of, so no, we're, yeah sort of increasingly trying to be more about that. And, um, you know, we do get about a bit more in the north of England, but I think the other thing that we did, which again was a little bit unusual, is that, you know, we always sort of turned our back on distribution business and stuff. You know, we 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 had guys in choir and we have done a little bit of it here and there, but I don't know, It's it sort of sounds slightly strange to say now, but we were always just, you know, reluctant to sort of give the discounts that are usually required for it to make it work and that kind of stuff. We always knew that selling beer directly to trade ourselves was going to be the most sustainable from a business point of view. And um, so, yeah, you know, we sell, we send a pallet to London maybe once a month, but that is the, that that, that is the limit of our um, distribution. The rest of it all goes out in our own vans. And as I said, 40% of it goes directly through our own bars. Um, So yeah, it's, yeah, we, we, um, yeah, we're pretty, we get all over the north of England, but yeah, we we really do not send beer much further afield than that. It's kind of amazing. Can I ask though? Like obviously with the venues, I think it's a cool idea. Did you, when you kind of decided to go down that route, were you initially brewing in one of these venues and then pouring it as like a tap room, or was it? No, you're shaking your head. So no, but, but... no. So um, yeah, it was uh, we. Our brewery is still located in the, in the same, you know, in the first unit we moved into. We expanded into the unit next door about five years ago, but um, it's an industrial estate. But it's like it's a very rural industrial estate. There are not a lot of people living in and around it. So, and you know what? We probably, you know, we have talked about doing a tap room there. We could probably get away with it now, but it was just sort of, particularly in the early days, it was like no one's going to come down here to drink beer. There's literally, you know, there's there's way more sheep down here than there are than there are people. <laughs> Um, so our, uh, yeah, so our, our original tap room is in, um, a town called Kendall, which is, well, I, I, I live in Kendall and I'm speaking to you from there now, but, um, yeah, it's about half an hour away from the brewery and, um, yeah, so a little tap room opened in 2017 there and another little one in a town called Penrith, which is another sort of half hour north of here. Um, yeah, so they're two very small little, um bars and they are both opened up in 2017 and then um we have one in Chalton in South Manchester which opened July 2020 and um then, yeah we we took on a pub a sort of big pub um much nearer the brewery um last year and oh yeah, and then the fifth one, yeah, we've 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 just opened a sort of little event space music venue thing, whatever we're gonna call that. 
it's, it's you must find that they're kind of they're kind of good breeding grounds to to get some good feedback with the beers and stuff. Like you said, you've got one half an hour away from the brewery, so you can you've got customers in your doorstep that can try the beer. It must be then really easy for you guys to get initial feedback, but also at the same time recoup some of that money as well. And like you said, you're selling it to yourself, so you're not getting a middleman involved. So yeah, it must be a, a really good kind of bit of market research, kind of breeding ground for your beers right on your doorstep. Yeah, and like to be honest, that was the main reason for kind of doing it because I mean we made the decision to do the first one in like you know well yeah like six six years ago, and it kind of goes back to this thing of yeah. being in Cumbria. You know the market wasn't it, it was a little bit behind what it was in city centres and things like that, and so it was kind of like we sort of knew that unless we kind of really got full control over somewhere, we were never it was going to be so much harder to really explain to people what it was that we were about. And um, so it kind of, it started just off the back of that, just sort of, because like, you know, we would, I mean, particularly with like keg, you know, keg, keg hoppy beer, we were selling such a minuscule amount of it in Cumbria back, you know, back sort of six, six years ago. Um, you know, and because, because people just didn't understand it, particularly like typical publicans, it was just sort of like, how much for 30 litres? What, what are you talking about? This kind of stuff. And um, what, six, six quid a pint? This, it was just like, yeah, it was, um, it was like alien to them at the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's always been that sort of slightly bit more, I suppose, kind of just, yeah, there's always been an education kind of aspects to it of things. Um, but like the reality is of course now is that it's made it so much more valuable because like the communities that we sort of formed there, you know, particularly now that we've been running for a few years, like it was so nice sort of celebrating our 10th birthday to sort of look out at these faces of people who've been supporting us for, five, six years now. And yeah. uh, the, the relationship that they built with us and that we built with them is like, yeah, it sort of has real meaning and value and that's sort of really quite, yeah, it's quite humbling to be honest, yeah. It seems it seems as well, like <clears throat> from what I've read and obviously speaking to yourself, that it's, it's very organic as well. You can you can talk to some of these breweries and stuff and, you, and that have done something similar-ish or, and it almost feels forced like obviously because they're not they've not done it for very long it almost feels very forced but for you guys it does seem it does seem like i said online and and looking at um untapped and stuff like there was there was one comment that stood out and it was it was with regards to the the tinder box and it was like if there's any other beer i know i can have tinder box every day of the week and it doesn't matter what other guest beers there are i'm having tinder box and that like that kind of following that you guys have, have organically made just seems like a a really a major asset for you guys, like you said, coming on, especially for ten years, and for the, for the four of us to come along and be like, never, never heard of these guys until a couple of months ago, and like now I'm like, I want to, I want to get up and get more beer. <laughs> As a beer drinker, though, that's like the dream. Like, like yeah. we, we often we often bemoan the state of the pubs and stuff around about where we live, you know, and we're and we're by no means rural, <laughs> you know, we're, we're you know. 30 minutes from Edinburgh or 45 minutes from Glasgow on public transport and and it's, you know, we, we might as well be in 1987 when it comes to the, the beers that are available if we were to go to one of the local pubs um, in our area. So so to get a brewery to set up a pub in, a, you know, even even a semi-rural location um, is, is just like the dream for us. So you can you can completely understand why, you know, beer drinkers would flock and, and stay loyal and support a pub that's going to be doing that locally, you know. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, and like, because the other thing that we've always done and remains true to this day is that, you know, 
they're not tap rooms in the sense of you know they we we sell lots of other people's beer there as well you know they're sort of 50% fell 50% guest mm-hmm. and um so that that's always been sort of a really really important aspect of it as well is um you know trying to i mean yeah i mean fr- frankly you know obviously we've been promoting our own beers but we've um introduced an awful lot of other breweries to the local beer scene as well and that's been yeah. that's been nice as well yeah it seems like a good point to um to invite the late prick scott hi scott Pricks bear. Pricks bear. Hello. good evening good eve how are you oh successfully be beard now what beard have you picked up mate i decided to start uh sensible so i went sensibly session to begin with so i'm having the session ipa why was that why was i expecting why is i expecting that you say the most the highest abb beer the first no thing? no no i decided to be sensible it's tuesday after all um and i'm still looking at spreadsheets and they're already there's already four of them so and that's just through mm. the sore head i've got never mind adding in beer to the mix so anyway um i'm having this it's excellent it's Ukonot, citrus, centennial, super big dry hop, loads of body, loads of flavour. It's perfect. No wonder it's, it's as well kept a secret to us up north of the border because we would do it an absolute doing if we went to these pubs for <laughs> if we were away. This stuff's aye, that you could drink the place dry. This it, it's so refreshing, so unbelievably well balanced, nice and light, but hammered full of flavour. Um yes. it's got Decent bit of bitterness to it as well. So it just really is the whole package in terms of session. It's up there with one of the best I think I've I've tried for a long time. Um oh, thank you very much. session pools yeah, session anyway. It's superb. Cheers. No, I mean it's sort of it's uh, again, it's quite a sort of um it's an interesting beer for us because it, it it's actually like our, it's our best selling beer now by by quite some margin. Um and uh, yeah, it's probably it's about maybe twenty percent of the trade that we do is is wow. is in session IPA. But again, like if you'd have sort of asked, you know, if you'd have looked back to us twenty thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, um, the idea that like our best selling beer would be a hoppy beer that is available in can and but most notably keg, you know, it's um, yeah, that was. That was absolutely not the sort of market that we were looking at back then, and um, yeah, it's sort of um, it's, it's probably like you know, so it is that it's that little bit different to um, you know a lot of the sort of real juice factory um, um, sessionable strength um, hoppy yeah. beers in that you know the dry hop load is that little bit smaller. Um, it's got a little bit more bitterness than is, is uh, perhaps typical, um, just to sort of give it that more sort of rounded, you know, sessionability and drinkability and that kind of stuff. That's and what you're after, so, though, isn't it? You know, you get a lot of the times you get these quote-unquote session pale ales and they're so sweet and, and mm-hmm. bordering on sickly. And you think to yourself, yeah, it's, it's sessionable in terms of it's 4% or 4.5%, but could could you really sit and drink that for three or four hours, you know, no, while you're watching football or sitting having a blather with your mates or whatever? Then no, you really, after, after one or two, you're like, mm, let's move on. But you know yeah. that 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 one you could you could quite happily drink all evening. And absolutely, and it is you know I mean most people will be drinking that um, in our bars by the pint. Um, you know it's not 
it's sort of, we, we kind of try to market it as a sort of if in doubt bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, this kind of, you know, you, you know what you're getting here. And um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I find myself drinking it a lot in our venues, which, um, which, I, which again, I always think is a good sign. Yep. Yeah, always a good yep. sign. Yep. Uh, the one yep. thing I was like, the beer that I've sampled of yours already, the one thing that sticks out for me, they're all very, very drinkable. They're mm. all, every single one of them is drinkable. There's not one like this. Calm, that's too sickly or a bit too claggy or a bit oh no I don't know if I could have a have too many of them every single one I've had is absolutely drinkable and the one I want to find out from Mark if it's drinkable for himself and I see I think it was in your glass is that West in the tinderbox I am on uh, it's definitely drinkable it's definitely drinkable now right right I'm being oh, I, I, well, you how know many I'm, steps how many steps short in Paint stripper is it or nail varnish removed? No, no, no. This has got flavour. It's got some. It's got some serious flavour. No, right. I mean, you want I, just bitterness, though. You don't want flavour. You just want bitter. You just want no, bitter. I, no, 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 no. I want a Negroni and a pint tumbler. Well, <laughs> sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's true. Right. Let's get the the brass tacks. Right. Well, I try it and, and tell you what it actually tastes like after I Mark's been more not being bitter enough. Right. Okay. Oh, it's, it's bitter, mate. It's it's bitter. It's got like it's bitter on the back end in that sense. Well, one point right off the bat when I poured it is it's slightly hazy. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I've I've just poured it and sort of thought, "Cracky, that's a little bit hazy." Isn't hazy. It? That's okay. I'm not like I, I'm not um, I'm not over. I'm not judging. But considering you say this is on cask, mate, and I sell cask oh. beer, um, I know a lot of the punters. If it gets poured on cask, it's there's something wrong with the keg. There's cask. There's something wrong. Um, so. Absolutely no. So, like again, this is uh, so uh, yeah, revealing trade secrets here. But um, so the thing that will really perhaps blow your mind is um, cask tinderbox, which of course is the tinderbox that we, uh, we, we that it's about ninety percent of the tinderbox that we make. Cask cask tinderbox is not dry hops, um, and the real reason for that is because yeah, what I I invented it in twenty twelve, and dry hopping was barely a thing back then. It was something that like just a handful of little, you know, like Magic Rock had just started, you know, doing a few dry hot beers and stuff, but it was still this really revolutionary thing. I remember, because like, we were so tiny back then, I was calling up the UK hop scene and trying to, like, order T90 pellets of exciting varieties, and they were just saying, no, you can't have them, because um, we were so teeny tiny back then. So, like, actually, it, it started just as, you know, it's that proper sort of old school, like, if you look at the hop bill, it's just hops that begin with the letter C, there's a 60-minute edition, 30-minute edition, a 20-minute edition, a 10-minute. Yeah, it's all just that proper old-school stuff now. Um, but so this one is a little bit different. When we do it for keg and can, we do dry hop it, but probably way less than you might think. And, um, yeah, it's – but no, but when it's on cask – when it's on cask, it's it's, it's Isinglass find, find and, um, okay. yeah, yeah sure. it's, it's bright. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. I'm going to admit – when I poured it, that was the first thing that came to mind because it's like being total Westy wanker um, here. Like it's you pour it and you, it's the first thing that you look at is the colour and like all the rest of it. But for me, like it's the bitterness is definitely there, so it pulls you into the Westy. It is a bit more like earthy and herby than I was maybe expecting. There's a bit of spiciness to it as well, but I think it's a really delicious beer. And I've got to admit, like it's I. Like, as the boys will tell you, I like my West Coast's, like, you know, resinous, piney, the magic tree, 
like rattled around the mouth as it comes <laughs> out. That's kind of how I, I like what I'm looking for. Like the the westest of coasts, um, west coast IPAs. That's what I'm looking at. But this, um, it, it's, it's obviously it's not that in that sense. But the bitterness is there. What you want from a west coast IPA? The instead of it being like piney, like it's like. I'm, I'm kind of splitting hairs. It's like an earthiness. It's, there's a spicy aspect to it, which is really delicious. Um, and I've got to admit, it's six point three percent. It's actually super sessionable, mate. Like ah, super super sessionable. And you know, it, that's something when I seen the percentage of it. You know, I'm like, you know, when you creep up in the with the ABV, you know, you tend to expect more body and all the rest of it and like for me like a west coast ip is there's body to it but it's still light to drink in that aspect because it's clear and it's not hazy but this is it's it's getting my approval boys i've got to admit it's getting my approval which um not many westies have have no let's be honest (laughs) i am picking holes of course that's my job um that's what that's that's what i get paid the big bucks for but um, it is Again, it's it's perhaps one of those sort of slightly now things that's now odd because the recipe has changed so little since um, in yeah like eleven odd years now, like um, it's going back to like you know th- th- this was developed at a time of like McKellar thousand IBU and that kind of stuff. You know there was no such thing as um, I, I, I'm you know Citra had only just like appeared and stuff, um, but so like fifteen percent of the um 15 percent of the extract is 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 like from sugar because it was that old school thing that people used to do to like dry dry the bodies out and stuff because there was still this idea that if you're going to put that much malt in in a in a beer that it was going to taste thick and um yeah so it's it's like 15 percent sugar to dry the body out and so that does give it this real sessionability and yeah all day as I sort of mentioned, you know, there's like three or four pubs in the Lake Districts where, um, you know, there's guys who will go and drink pint of pint of pint of pint of it. It's a little bit scary, actually. I would be. I would Legend be, that it is the one to look for. Uh, <laughs> I would be 100 percent one of the best. I've been, been up a chair beside them, like. Oh mm-hmm. mate, I I'm would... going to I'm going to quickly talk about the beer that I'm on as as well, um, because it's one that I want you to open next, Mark, if you've not um had it, and it's the uh, Cracked Earth. It's called. <clears throat> which is the red IPA, mm-hmm. um, and I, I never really know what to expect when drinking a beer like this. Um, but having done a bit of sort of furious googling on the on the the Felbury <laughs> website, um, it's 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 kind of West Coast in its origins as well. Um, but more, but you know, amping up the malt aspect of 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 the beer. Um, so for me, it's it's absolutely superb. It really is. It's it's proper butter. Um, it's, it's got a real real bitterness there. Um, and you're getting that sort of piney. I, I feel as well. You're getting that piney resinous flavour that you'd be looking for from a West Coast. Um, obviously, my palate's not as distinguished as, as Mark's. Um, from from that point of view, but but you're also getting a really pleasant um, malty sort of sweetness, toffee on the nose. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's really bitter sweet and fabulous to drink. 6% and, and it's going down. It, it, it definitely feels more of a drink than the last one. Um, you know, given the last one was the session IP, I'm not surprised. Um, but it's not it's not a, a tough drink at all. It's really, it's quite, uh, 
quite palatable. No, um, yeah, really, really, really happy with uh, this this latest brew of Cracktef. I can't take any credit for it myself. Um, it's absolutely the response. Uh, yeah, it's um, a couple of our brewers. Um, one of them in particular, a guy called Scott. He's he's American, and um, that you know he's in his early forties, and so he's you know he's experienced U.S. craft beer right right kind of back in the day. And um, you know if it if it was up to him, we'd, we'd probably just make red IPAs. Um, but he's a sensible <laughs> guy. Um, but no, and so like yeah, I really really yeah that that contrast between the sweetness that comes from um, sweet sweet malts like crystal caramel that kind of stuff. Um, against pithy bit of hops, particularly you know more kind of classic, um, classic West Coast USA styles, um, styles and varieties. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, like we all really, really, really enjoyed it in the team. Which again, yeah, is an absolute peach, mate. It really is. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a stunning beer. There's a nice dryness to the back end. It's lovely and dry in the back. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting style, isn't it? Is it a red lag or like a red IPA or sort of? Aye. You know, yeah. It's just a, like you say, an interesting style that's probably not as common as it probably should be. You know, and uh, we've spoke about a number of different, you know, the IPAs. You know, we talked about the black IPA a few weeks ago and how, you know, yeah, the the they crop up now and again but you don't tend to see them as often and maybe people were a little bit scared to, not scared to make them, but, you know, is the market there? But when it's done properly, then, you know, the, the what you said, everything you've said about that beer, I'm all in, you know, like it's hitting all the the stuff I want from a beer, you know, dry, memorish, bitter. I'm pretty confident that you'll like this one, mate, to be fair. Uh, you'll like it. Well, there you go. It's obviously a good beer then. I think um, I think that like you know, two or three years ago, it would have been more of a struggle to sell this kind of beer. I think people are still very very excited about really juicy hoppy pale ales, and not that they're not still excited about that. Obviously, it's still a really important part of the market. But um, given there's been so much focus on that, people are ready to yeah try something different. So I mean, like frankly. From our po- point of view, as a team of brewers, it's been it's 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 so nice to be getting the opportunity to sort of bring some of these styles and have another crack at them because obviously we we like making hoppy pale beer, but yeah. we are excited to be doing something else and be able to really get our teeth stuck into that as well. It's actually interesting. It's one question I actually had for you was when I was kind of scanning through website and seeing the styles of beer and things that you promote. There was a lot of kind of traditional styles you know that you've got bitters pails you know stouts you know everything you've mentioned but everything you've just said there you know you can tell there's a ton of creativity within the brewery and you've got you know um american hopped experience in there as well to kind of mix and match with so is that something that you see the next sort of wave for phil and looking at you know is it different styles is it modernizing Modernizing is maybe not the right word there, but you know, creating some different um, avenues with different styles, or are you going to um, and balancing that up with yeah. the traditional stuff? I mean, so yeah, we're again maybe a touch unusual in that. So um, in terms of our breakdown, in terms of beer that we actually sell, we're we're about forty percent cask, forty percent keg, 
and 20% can really don't actually do a right lot amount of, of, of can. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of, again, off a legacy of where we come from being that little bit more rural. If we hadn't put beer in a cask, we would have sold no beer um, <laughs> back like 10, 10 years ago and stuff. And, um, but like, I mean, in terms of like, you know, the brewers and what, what we kind of getting excited about now, like, I think that, you know, as the market is, should we maybe say settling down a little bit and um, people are starting to seek out maybe maybe a little bit more familiarity, a little bit more consistency rather than kind of having their world changed every with every different beer that they drink. Um, <clears throat> as as brewers, it's been it's been sort of you know the the change has gone from sort of like how are we gonna make this really cool new exciting thing to how are we gonna make this beer that we've made two hundred times before one or two percent better every time we brew it yep. and uh, you know we and particularly like with you know with our lower abv cast beer in our more traditional styles and stuff like actually as brewers they're probably the most kind of rewarding to really get to grips with because it's sort of you you talk about some really little nuanced changes that you're making and then you're trying to perceive them in sensory analysis and that kind of stuff it is in many ways it's more interesting and it's more fulfilling yeah. for us and um, so in terms of where where do I see it going? You know, what what's, where are we going to take it? I mean, I think that, you know, consistency and, you know, there's actually loads and loads and loads of really good work to do about just, you know, kind of really getting on top of the consistency of the quality control and that kind of stuff. We've made huge improvements with that in the last six or seven years, that kind of stuff. But it's, I suppose it, it, it's that idea that, as a brewer, that can be as fulfilling as it can be getting excited about, you know, a new hot variety that you haven't yeah. tried before yeah. and that kind of stuff. It's um, it's something that I thought would make us, would like bore us and we'd not not be able to get excited about, but it really hasn't been the case. I think that's to see for me, that's a really interesting thing there to be fair. Like, like as, as craft as craft beer wankers and, and connoisseurs, so to speak, like you're, you're like people are looking for the next best thing or the thing that blows your mind or the weird beer out there, the trendy beer that changes colour or fucking blows smoke up your ass or some shit like that. But just to actually have a, a beer that is consistently made, but like you said, the, the brewer just makes small tweaks that just to make that beer that they've made for years and years and years a little bit better, or to just change small little things just to refine it. For me, like that's that's something, a, a progression or a, a route that I would I would follow more than try to find something, some stupid beer that changes color or, or makes big massive bubbles or some shit and then it just explodes. Like it just. It's, <laughs> I totally get I totally get the excitement factor behind it as well because I haven't I haven't right. dipped having dipped a toe into sort of homebrew myself and Mark. I've I've done a few brews and the the, the difficulty. First of all, getting difficulty getting beer that tastes good, um, but then getting beer that tastes the same the second time or the third time or the fifth time or the hundredth time uh, uh, that that blows my mind. It's, you know, t- on any kind of scale, never mind never mind on a small scale, but on a huge you know thousand ten thousand liters or whatever it is scale, repeating that every even with the same ingredients, there's so many different variables in play that can change the flavor of the beer to get it to, to taste the same every single time is amazing. But then to be able to get that to a point where you think, yep, yeah, this is amazing, but we're going to change this wee tiny thing here and that's going to make that kind of difference. That 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 would make me get up and go to work every morning. 
That'd be really weird. <laughs> and like, I mean, I think particularly then that's kind of relevant with the with the more traditional styles, with the less kind of punchy in your face styles. Of course, like you know, you, you can be talking about um. So you know, we'll make two and a half thousand liters of beer at a time. Like we can be talking about the difference of a handful of brewing salts. And that could change change the batch of it massively. You know, one Aye. one handful worth of um, you know calcium chloride or whatever, or whatever it is. Whatever it is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like that's been, and then you know, just yeah, that's in many ways it's it's what actually really gets us out of bed in the morning. You know, we do we love all different styles of beer at Fell, but we we have a particular love and affinity for cast beer, and um, you know, we probably have built a lot of our reputation particularly in the north of england on you know we we sell we sell bits some you know really really we, we we've sold bits some prestigious cool craft very beery centered places all across the north the one thing that's perhaps you know most in common is the ones that have been buying off us consistently they've always bought our cast beer and um yeah that's probably what in many ways that's what an awful lot of our rep is built on there's no, there's no surprise me at all. Like we said, like, like, oh, like I said, everything that you have sampled is it's everything that the word that keeps coming up is drinkable, very drinkable. Every single one is drinkable and it's enjoyable. Uh, and that's as a brewer, I can imagine that's that's all you want. Any beer that you that you put out there into the world, um, like you said, you've, you've been you've done it now for ten years. Um, and if you kind of look forward into the future, I mean, what is if you go back, if you go into the future, a further ten years. 20 years down the line of, of Fell Brewery. What, I mean, what do you see that next 10 years being like for you guys? Yeah, um, I mean, the first the first thing that really comes to mind is it is crazy to think about <laughs> where we'll be in another 10 years just because of how mad. I mean, the, the last decade has been brilliant, but it's also been absolutely mad. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, trying to think about what, what it'll look like in another decade is kind of terrifying. Um, <clears throat> I think like, you know, we've... We particularly given our bar space as well, we, we we have grown a lot and we have done a lot in terms of expanding our capacity and that kind of stuff. Um for, mostly for no other reason, the fact that we are happy but exhausted. Like, you know, the next 10 years are gonna be more settled, they're gonna be more about consolidating and developing. Um the thing that's kind of the most exciting from my point of view about the next 10 years is you know, we still love brewing and we still love beer and it's still a massive part of it, but it's kind of getting a grips with the other things that we can do with it as well. Um, you know, we want to make, you know, we've got some bold and ambitious plans with respect to sustainability and carbon emissions and that kind of stuff. You know, we put a huge solar array on the roof of the brewery to generate about half the lecky that we use. Um, want to, you know, figuring out the other half. Um, and then I think also like, you know, uh, the thing that's been the most rewarding about the last decade and the one that's simultaneously taken me the most by surprise is the value that's been had by, you know, um, integrating ourselves in our local communities, the people who drink in our bars, the customers that we deal with, the particular customers we've been dealing with for years and years and years now. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's just been really, really, it's just really nice and rewarding. And so, you know, further developing that and further figuring out ways that we can, you know, embrace where we're from and what we're about and start to, you know, appeal. So like, I mean, the best example is, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to send you guys some beers and for you to enjoy them. But the thing that being better is for you to come visit us, 
you know, come, come to the Lake District. It's a great place to come. And we want to be right there, you know, being show, showcasing the beers that we make right alongside this wonderful place that we get to call home. You know, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm more excited about that in the next decade. It's about seeing what more it can be beyond just the beers that we make. Because, um, like, you know, having, having been doing this for 10 years now, and looking forward to doing it for another 10 years. Who knows? And, yeah, <laughs> scary as that is, you know, you do start to think about what it is that, you know, you've actually done and what it is that you might. Gonna, uh, to that point, I was going to ask you, have, have you had a pinch me moment in those first 10 years where you go, we made, we done this? Um, it's like, I've been asked this a lot of late. And I, I well, the, the really boring answer is no. Um, I don't know. It's sort of <laughs> the most kind of proud moments I have um, uh, on things like, you know, staff Christmas parties and things like that. When I sort of look at the team that we built, because across all our different venues and as well, we're it's like 30, 35 or something like that now. And occasionally when I look out at like that, that group and sort of look at the people who's, you know, whose livelihoods I am ultimately responsible for and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, that's that's that gets a little bit pinch me every now and again. That's on the one hand a little bit daunting, but on the other hand, it sort of makes you think, yeah, that, that was good. You know, that was a thing that was worth doing. Um, but yeah, I I struggle a lot with the concept of like pride and that kind of stuff. You know, I it just feels weird. It's sort of yeah, it's, it's just not in my nature. It's so British, isn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. Sort of, um, yeah I feel if we were having this conversation in America, it would be totally different, you know. But yeah, yes. if there was it's just in our nature to just be a bit more self-deprecating, isn't it? So indeed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but no, like, yeah, I mean, the thing I'm most proud of is is the team that we've built. That's that's been yeah. by far the most rewarding thing. See, from like from what I've seen and heard in the short term of like getting to know the brewery, like for like what you've said about the kind of the impact that you've made within local craft like the like local craft beer scene i think it's something that you shouldn't take for granted at all like because bringing it's something i've got to admit it's something i i write that i write it down in my book like probably every week like how can i make a more of an impact in this area within craft beer we're talking about it every week you're you're doing that every day every week by you know just by having the brewery there by selling it to to pubs having cask craft beer is incredible having keg craft beer is great you know it's it's an amazing thing when you be able to go in and get a pint of some session see going in and getting a pint of something that's truly like craft beer but on cask because for me cask beer gets a bad rep because it's the the old man's drink it's the you know but a lot of the a lot of craft breweries now are yeah you know, I, I want to say dipping their toe in but they're putting the the spin on the cask beer with the craft aspect of it you know there's the the dry hopping x or y and you know and yeah obviously the highs and glass goes in to try and clear it up for the furry duds that don't like any sort of haze but at the same time i find that like i find that incredible that's the sort of and this the, even the smallest impact that you've made within cumbria and the lakes is incredible and obviously we 
we drive down that way on occasion. Um, and I know it's definitely one for, for me when I'm driving down. It's going to be like, definitely going to have to... <clears throat> Um, have to do the pit stop. Um, so rather than doing the pit stop at whatever that services was, the last time we went down to get the the stupid sausage rolls and all the rest of it, um, we sell so, plenty of beer there, so so you can always grab Fel. At t- well, was at, it t- at, t- at t- eBay? eBay services. That's it. Yeah. Cool. That's the best, that's, best services that, in the country by a long mile. It's absolutely fantastic. I've seen your beers. I've seen the beer. I've seen the beer at eBay. That's exactly it, Gav. That's where we've seen it. That's it. There you go. I've been um, I've been racking my brains for the last couple. Of, I've I've had the beers before. I know I've had them. I've I've seen the logo. Where the fuck have I seen it? And it's TB. I bought them from TB. Everybody though. Aye, the be- the best Scotch eggs in the world, and a couple of tons of craft beer on the way past. <laughs> so it's like, but it's, de- like, it's definitely the way you go in it. You 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 can either like Callum. You said it's either it's two directions, right? You either go and find which means going further afield, a ready-made group of people who will drink the stuff that you want to make, or you, not impose, but you Build. embed yourself within a local community and move the needle ever so slightly, and that's why it takes a decade to make it. It doesn't happen overnight if you're going to do it that way, but what it does do is mean that you've got a solid foundation that then you can just stick with and say, <clears throat> to everybody else like you're, you're you're doing if you want to come and get it come and get it absolutely and you know because it's mean, the best like, it'll be i'm not i can't trust it if we move if we move it miles and miles and miles can you trust how they store it can you trust how they transport it i can't trust that it's going to be with the best will in the world to the people that will shift it for you in those other areas they are people that you can trust for the little that you do move to those places like you say they're pretty long-standing relationships but to go and push it out to new people, you don't know how they're going to look after it. So you want to make sure it's the best version it can be. You've taken a community, which I can imagine, but it's anything like us, and I've, I've been to the Lake District, It's it wasn't a community that would have drank craft beer. What they will drink is good beer, mm-hmm. wherever Absolutely. they can find it. And that's what it is, is you replace what was there before and all these kind of larger chain kind of dying breweries, if you like, especially when it comes to cast stuff, which does tend, unless it's your, your stalwarts that everybody knows, there's not much room. And to create room and then create venues and have those venues last as long is massive. So I get this self-deprecation thing, but you can't honestly sit there and say that that's not something to, to, to move the needle and and get yourself in there and, and stay in there without being a flash in the pan that says, oh, what we'll do is we'll just make really loads of hipsters Stuff will make everybody go about under penny under penny farlands and wear our dungarees and we'll just dry hop everything to shit and we'll make them drink it because they'll just they'll they'll need to drink it because we'll just have so much it there it'll be in every shop and that's what we'll do and they're flashing the pan and they they go away I think it's a a model that people should come and see if you're going to start it get yourself keep the people that are close to you close because they're the ones with the expendable income that can walk along. And come and get your beer. They're not driving miles. They're not going out the road. They're not going to a massive supermarket. And you can get it into places like T-Bay, which are well known, <laughs> can the best places in the world for folk to stop and take beers with them. It's just that's the hundred percent the way to do it. It's you've got it sussed and long may it continue. Um, also, note that um, my only memory really of the Lake District is that it rains loads. Which is oh, quite yeah. shit when you're eight, nine, and ten. 
but it's great when you're aged to go to a pub. Is it not? <laughs> no, absolutely. It is kind of like if I mean, so yeah, like a couple and of. I'm from Scotland, and I'm saying that it rains. Yeah, and a couple of our bars, like they're sort of totally, you know, um, if it's sunny, they're they're dead. Like, but if it's if it's pissing it down, they're absolutely heaving. You know, it's 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 kind of like the 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 total opposite how it is. You know, I mean, a lot of our sort of core customers, particularly like the younger ones, it's kind of you know they're either out climbing, mountain biking, doing all the various different things, or if it's raining, they're in the pub. And um, no, yeah, the, the weather is as shit as as you say it is. Uh, <laughs> nearly, nearly as shit as Scotland. It's, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Nearly. Yeah, having having lived in Scotland five years of my life, I can say it is nearly as shit as in Scotland. Well, actually, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, because I was in Edinburgh, I always thought the weather was great and it was cold, like, but like you know, but it was sunnier. It's definitely sunnier than it is here. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, so, has got its own microclimate. You need to come six miles west to the fucking... Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did always remember getting the trade across the central belt, and it did just seem to get greyer the further west. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so yeah, I mean, you know, build doing it doing it that way was was not the easy way, and it was not the way that sort of paid off the the quickest and this kind of stuff. But again, like you know, like so. This idea that you know we're not necessarily appealing to craft drink craft drinkers. We're, we're drinking a beer drinkers who'll drink it if it's good. You know that there is there are savvy bunch. You know the, the 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 typical Cumbrian fell consumer. You know they they will not stand for crap, and they'll certainly not stand for you trying to sort of pull pull anything. You know, yeah, this kind of stuff. You know, they they will tell you if it's crap, <laughs> and um, but like it's sort of you know that. I I find the loyalty that that we get shows because of you know be, because of the hard yards. I find it like incredible sometimes. It's really really quite humbling and strange. And obviously, like the pandemic was such a sort of massive massive thing for that. I was just amazed at sort of like the response that we got from from our local local people. Obviously, it was so hard and it was so just sort of crazy, particularly in the early days. And then just these. All these people started coming out of the woodwork. They were like calling us up to sort of say, look, whatever it is, however it is, get us beer and we'll pay for it and all that this, that and the other. It was yeah. yeah, it's been it's it's the tough way to do it, but it's yeah, it's a rewarding way to do it. And it's one that yeah, you you really do get rewarded with really surprising loyalty. Right. Well, so one thing that I, I think I I'd say I echo what Scott said hats off for you doing this but this was the most amicable way of doing it and it, it genuinely it's for me it's just like you said it's the best way to do it I want to actually ask you about the because you did have a, a, a slight logo change um, a wee while back I want to talk to you I want to ask you about the logo and who does the cans because the cans look awesome yeah so we rebranded last November um so yeah to cut a long story short um our branding before that had what was like developed in 2011 and so you know more than 10 years old yeah. and um, as much as you know we we loved it and um it served us very well like i suppose just truth of the matter is that you know a lot's changed in that last 10 years and um yeah, basically, we we are lucky in that we are able to do all this stuff in house ourselves. One of our 
one of our guys who works in sales is also an experienced graphic designer. And so I don't think he'd mind me saying, but like the real truth of the matter is, is that, so we started doing our graphics about five years ago. And the only thing that we hadn't let him change was, was the logo. And it was the only thing he really didn't like. And so he was sort of asking me for a couple of years, can, can we rebrand? And so turning 10 felt like, you know, as, as good a reason and sort of time to do it as anything. You know, obviously a lot of, a lot of breweries rebrand much more in sort of much narrower cycles and stuff. But I think also like, you know, spelling out the, um, the four key principles, you know, we, we've always had these independent, sustainable, local and small, but like it felt like just a good thing to be kind of just really, really spelling out is that that's what the next 10 years is about. Yeah. And also sticking Cumbria right, right there on the badge, you know, this, this idea that we're embracing much more where we're from and um, being prouder of that than we yeah. perhaps have been in the past. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's an evolution of rather than a revolution, you know, this sort of, this, this contour branding, um, it's, you know, cause it, it looks a little bit psychedelic, but they're actually all Cumbrian mountains. It's yep. all, it's all, they're all genuine Cumbrian mountains where, and, you know, he'll transpose the contours off an old map. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So like the real challenge is to try and guess which mountain it is. Which some people amazingly can do. I always what? find that. Mad. Um, but like, yeah, it's uh, they've they've stayed. The logos changed, and yeah, I'm I'm hopeful we won't change this one for another ten years. <laughs> <laughs> no, logos cracking. Like the labels are, are brilliant. Very cop uh, out, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, there's a brewery that's now no longer doesn't exist anymore. Tier. Um, <clears throat> top out that their all their can art was topographical maps, uh, yeah. various different peaks. So uh, they were big into big supporters of <clears throat> mountain climbing, walking, hill exactly. running, the, everything you can think of. They had they did even kind of sponsorships or support for athletes and stuff as well. But I uh, sadly no longer there. But a bit of a bit of them lives on in the the can art with a kind of topographical style of the the art. So yeah, very Indeed. tweaks that for sure. Yeah, it was a shame what happened to those guys. Um, I was I was surprised when they had to announce that they were winding up. Um, we'd come Their, across uh, cone beer was the was the 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 Westie to compare all Westies to mm. for sure. That's like like eating a magic tree. As Mark says, <laughs> it was superb, and it, with the one experience it on cask was, um, <clears throat> aye, it was main biblical. No, <laughs> if, there, if there is such a thing, it so was actually, biblical. I, uh, it's going to have. I can to imagine be... Tinderbox would be, be pretty close to be feeling. Oh, cask. I can, and that's why I'm desperate to get down there to have it because no. I can imagine it'll have it'll it'll tick all those boxes that we had ticked. Good, good. Yeah. The next time I'm driving down, we'll make sure and reach out and you can pinpoint a couple of the local establishments that tend to have it on cask. And Absolutely, all yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's real spiritual home is um, is Keswick, the town of Keswick. So mm-hmm. it's about half an hour west of um, the boatway near Penrith. It's like, yeah, there's there's two pubs in Keswick that just can't take it off. It's, um, it's kind of mad. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, yeah. I might, is, I might never leave if that's on draft or on cask all the time. Right. That's like say, my... Well, you might have to come south. You might have to come south anyway. Or this stupid beer ship oh, yeah. in Scotland. Yeah. Um, 
I know I asked you about the next kind of 10 years, if I can, if I narrow that down and look to the next kind of six months, what you've got planned for the, the more kind of present future? Yeah, so um got some exciting things. Yeah, so um we had Reese from Don Zoko down in the brewery um three weeks ago, collab cask Kolsch. Oh. Oh. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty, pretty excited about that. I was in Cologne um, last year and I had sort of Kolsch in Cologne for the first time ever. Absolutely. I just thought it was amazing. It's like one of the best sort of beer culture experiences I've ever had. Reese is brilliant. He came down for our 10th, 10th birthday beer festival. And um, yeah, so we got that. We are doing... Some other cool collabs that are a little bit more. So we're trying to do more collabs with kind of like businesses beyond breweries and particularly local businesses. So I've got a collab coming up with a dried pasta maker here in Hi. And um, so that's kind of, yeah, so we're going to try and do a Samphire Goza, sort of like the idea oh. being sort of like, so spelt, because they make pasta out of spelt. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is obviously have salty pasta water. So um so we immediately thought goza, but then rather than sticking salt, we'll we'll use samphire and get the salt off that. Nice. Um so that again, yeah, it's a bit wacky, but um I'm kind of excited about that. Um, when you said pasta company, I was I was I was I was worrying that there was gonna be some sort of meatball marinara idea. Let's <laughs> 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 like, so, go northern monk really quickly. Well yeah, yeah, that's, 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 uh, <laughs> not quite our style. Um got some yeah, some of the cool things. I'm 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 hoping to start supplying Carlisle United Football Club oh, with, nice. with beer, which would be exciting because um yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. We started doing, we did some beers last year where um, trying to use local grains more because um, basically there's like this big, really underappreciated arable farming culture in Cumbria. Lots of farmers. I was just about to say that it's not, it's not really something you would normally associate with arable totally, farming totally. in Cumbria, you know. Absolutely. People are seeing as nothing. There's actually some really, really, really good stuff. And so, yeah, like my dream is for um, for for me to be able to hold a pint session IPA and say the the grain was grown from this farm and that farm is in Cumbria. Um, that's 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 tricky, but we're working on that. So I'm um, yeah hoping to sort of develop that side of things a lot more. And um, yeah, got a couple of cool festivals lined up. Um, Kirkstow in Leeds are arranging a festival for um historical beer, um, beer styles and that kind of stuff. The idea is go out and make something weird and historical, and so I'm sure we'll pull something casky and weird out for that. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about the next six months. Obviously, it's, it's a tricky time in the industry right now, and we're not immune to these sorts of challenges, but. It's been a really encouraging start to the year, which seems to be kind of tentatively how, you know, seems to be the vibe I'm getting off some other brewers and stuff. You know, Christmas was a bit rubbish, but things are starting yeah. to look a bit smarter now. And um, so, so yeah, feeling positive about the next six months. I've got to admit, please tell me that the cast Kolsch is going to make its way up north if it's a Donzoko club. Donzoko it surely must do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Reese Reese says he'll um 
Reese has agreed that we'll we'll send a pallet up to him. Um, yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so better luck. You might even be able to, uh, to sniff it out. So definitely, as soon as that's on its route up, I'll just spend uh, all week in Leith scoping out the nearest and dearest right, can we stick an air tag in the van or something like that Aye. is that allowed Count so we can track it on the way up <laughs> yeah uh, well yeah that's, that's a new one are we Italian sure. job that's that's craft beer wankery and it's and it's <laughs> most extreme in it just to follow a van is, well, it's, it's on, on distribution tracking software Right, it's cask. Like, it's going to have to sit for a day or so before it gets poured. So as long as you know where it's going to be, then you can. It's you're going to have a bit of time. But uh, now I've got to admit, um, Tim, um, everything that you've kind of, t- um, everything you've kind of told us about the brew, everything I've kind of learned in terms of, you know, why, where, and when, and all, and how you're doing it. I think it's incredible. Um, I think it's something that's, that's to be commended totally, and <clears throat> you know. Obviously, I've I've managed to sample two beers uh, so far, and I'm really looking forward to sampling um, more. And I'll I'll be definitely one. I've already I've posted the pictures of the beers there onto my work group chat already, basically saying find these beers. Um, let's, let's <laughs> if you've got <clears throat> you've got casks and stuff. Uh, that stuff we need to um, hook up. That's for sure. And uh, honestly, like. Congrats on ten years. I think I, I, we probably should have said that earlier. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's all right. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, been mad, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, anyone who's been involved in craft craft beer for the last few years can attest to the fact that it's been brilliant, but it's been mad. Yeah, right, but you wouldn't want you wouldn't want it to be boring. Totally, not. absolutely not for a second. No, wouldn't, yeah. I, I wouldn't change any of it. A little bit is a little bit of like standardisation over the next couple of years would be nice. No more lockdowns and shutting stuff up and all the rest That's of that. A couple of years of uh, being able to build on sales and know where your sales are coming from and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's for sure. But uh, now, nah, has anybody got any other questions? I just have... wanted. I just wanted to just tie up, and I know I half know the answer to this question already. I just it was just a case of where is the best place for. For, for people to grab hold of your beers, whether it be in Cumbria or would it be further afield? Sure. So, um, well, yeah, best place to drink our beers, along with some amazing customers we deal with, would be our own bars. So, again, so that's Kendall Penrith, Cartmel just near the brewery, and Chulton in South Manchester. We um, sell nationwide through our web shop. For anyone who is interested, there is... Free delivery over 60 quid, I think, these days. Free local delivery. Um, and then, yeah, we get we get beer out and about um, all over the North of England. Reasonable showing in Newcastle, Manchester and Leeds. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you know, we, we're out and about a lot in Cumbria these days. There's an awful lot of brilliant pubs that we sell beer to and have been doing for, yeah, a number of years. So, yeah, I mean, the simple answer is best place to drink for our beer is in Cumbria. Cumbria, go and find it, guys. Go and find Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Come, come and find go it. Go and find it, definitely. And like I said, worst case scenario, head on to the website, philbrew.co.uk, spend over 60 quid and you can get some free delivery. I'm a sucker for free delivery, so take my 65 quid right now and get yourself some free delivery. I should say is we have four bedrooms in our pub in Cartmel, so, so you can um, even come to save us. Oh, oh. <laughs> live podcast! 
We've got four bedrooms. There you go. Well, that means there's three other ones for other folk to stay in. Because oh, we I'm not talking to you, you big lanky bastard. Fuck that. Hey, hey, it would have been the last. It would have been the first and last time that we've all fell asleep <laughs> on the same floor, would it? So, uh, I was going to say, we can, why start sleeping in separate beds now? No, exactly. exactly. <laughs> very true. Very, very true. Exactly. Um, while you're at it, while you're on the website, make sure you go over to the uh, social media pages: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Search Phil Brew, like, follow, and share. And while you're at it, you can search for the Beer Fridge Podcast as well. Um, make sure as well wherever you listen to the podcast, you have dropped a V five stars. We much appreciate it. It really does help the podcast. You can also show your support by heading to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Beer Fridge Podcast. We get access to exclusive content and some homebrew from the guys as well. Patreon.com forward slash Beer Fridge Podcast. Tim. Honestly, really enjoyed the chat. The beers, like I said, are super drinkable. Loved every single one of them, hand on heart. Uh, and I cannot wait to come and uh, commandeer one of those bedrooms with the, these three other numpties. <laughs> no, thank, thanks ever so much for having me. It's been a total pleasure to speak to you guys. Appreciate it again. And gentlemen, until next week, goodbye. Good morning, Podcast.